Apple Presents Events at the Apple Store. Before we get started, I have something really cool to show you. Who has the Made Fire app? Who's seen it? Who's used it? Cool, cool. Well, for those that haven't, we have a really cool video. Kind of lets you know what it's all about. I want you guys to take a look at this really quick. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guests from Madefire, Liam Sharp and Ben Wollstenholme, and co-creator of the legendary Watchman, Dave Gibbons. Thank you, Matt. I've already got too many devices. It's uh, not a good start. So yeah, thanks for having us. Um, I'm just going to quickly introduce, it's so good to see that video up here with this sound. Uh, I wish we had this uh, uh, back at the ranch. So yeah, as you can see, we're, we're trying to do something a bit different with storytelling. We have this elaborate title, The Future of Storytelling. Um, we obviously don't know about the future of storytelling, but we, we're going to talk about how we're approaching the future of storytelling. And you know, we're sitting in the Apple Store. It's a device era or era. And uh, we, we really came together around how can reading evolve for these devices, you know, the iPhone, the iPad, uh, the iPod. And uh, just quickly to say how we all, we all got here. My background's very much in film and design. I, I'm very interested in digital platforms and user interaction. I'm a designer by training. And uh, my lifetime friend, Liam Sharp, and I both kind of could always draw. He's had the glamorous career in uh, comics and graphic novels. He has drawn, uh, I think, every superhero that I can think of. He's written a, a lot of the stories around them. He's also been a publisher. and. About three years ago, we were catching up. Um, I was doing a lot of work on you know, digital platforms. Liam was, I think, uh, drawing Gears of War at the time, which is a big comic and game, and just about do Aliens, which he, which he wrote and drew. And uh, I said, well, what, what, are, what are comics doing for, for these devices? And the answer was, uh, not a lot. So, and the answer still is, really, not, not enough. So uh, we're trying to change that. So with that, I'll introduce Liam. Yeah, thanks, Ben. It's flattering me as always. Um, 
I think Ben's world was far more glamorous, but we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I've been in the shed at the bottom of my garden for most of my career. Um, yeah, no, Ben and I met in, uh, met up. it was a good catch up. And Ben's um, directed videos and uh, made short films and done all sorts of very interesting things. Uh, so his interest has always been storytelling and, and uh, storyboarding. And our worlds are very much crossed over. And he had a big interest in comics as well when he was younger, so he's always been a, a, a big fan. Uh, and, and really the two of our worlds were colliding because I was already doing print publishing and Ben was doing digital storytelling and the paths between our two worlds were getting closer and closer together. And they eventually sort of hit this nadir which was uh, a pub in, Dar in uh, London, um, probably about six pints in. It's like, why don't we join team? We should definitely meet up and put something special together. Anyway, the more we talked about this and evolved it, uh, it, it became a case of like, well, who, who do I know from the comics industry that is very, very sort of on the cutting edge as far as digital uh, stuff is, uh, and Macs in particular, because I'm a big Mac fan, and I've known Dave since we were nippers uh, in, the, in the 1980s drawing stuff for 2000 AD. Um, and we both got into Macs in a big way in the early 90s, uh, when the comics uh, evolved quite a lot. And Dave's probably the only one here who doesn't need an introduction. But if, uh, if you don't know, he, he's responsible for the world's um, biggest selling graphic novel of all time, Watchmen, co-creator on that, and Time Magazine's only uh, listed comic in their top 100 novels, which is quite, a, quite an achievement. But Ben and uh, we, we've been knocking around uh, f uh, conventions together for a long time. And we used to trade notes. We figured out a, a process by which you could print blue line buildings and ink them on all sorts of very sort of dodgy trickery to help you do your comics quicker using a Mac. So it was very obvious that, that, that Dave and I should, uh, should do something together with this. So basically, I, I proposed this to Ben. We, were, we met up in San Diego. Ben and I, Ben was moving over to set up his company in San Diego. And I said, well, you've got to come down to, to meet Dave. This is a couple of years ago. And we all met just before San Diego. And I'll let sort of Dave take it from there. Uh, well, thanks, Liam. Um, although perhaps I don't need an introduction, I always like an introduction like that. So thank you very much. No, um, as, as Liam said, it's been apparent to me for a long, long while that the digital revolution, the, the, the use of computers in the production of artwork was going to be a big thing. Even when I didn't know how it was going to be done, I just kind of had a sixth sense that it was going to be important. Um, and having grown up in the school of doing things the hard way, uh, even back in the 90s, uh, it was amazing the time you could save by using computers for various aspects of comic book production. And then it, it was also apparent that, you, you know, not only could you make comics using computers, but you could consume them, you could read them using computers but it wasn't quite clear how you could do that, how you could get paid for doing it. You could show people your work, but how could you possibly get paid? And then going forward a bit, when I saw my first iPhone, and particularly my first iPad, I thought, this is almost like a comic book. This has got the size and the color, and you can carry it around with you. This, this must happen. Um, and I've followed Liam's career um, over the years and, and Liam's always been trying to pursue new modes of publishing and new ways of empowering creators 
and he mentioned made fire to me and I, I was interested and I clearly remember sitting down at um, San Diego in 2011 with Liam and Ben and uh, a couple of other people and as they told me what they were planning to do I literally felt the little light bulb go on in my head and thought this is it so um, I'm very very happy to be sitting here today um, and be a part of what I think is a really revolutionary way of delivering comics and graphic storytelling to people. No pressure then. <clears throat> I'm just flashing a few of uh, Dave's pieces up behind him. He doesn't know that, but just to give you an idea. So, you know, I think what we wanted to touch on before we leap forward is really the process. So, you know, developing a comic is, is, is something that's very accessible. It's not an easy thing to do in terms of skill, but it's something which is very accessible. It's just drawing his words and pictures. And uh, Dave, do you want to say a bit about, you know, uh, the way it's evolved? You know, the way it's evolved from over the last, you know, 100 years? <laughs> However long <laughs> Only 100 been. years. <laughs> well, let's go right back to the early... No. Um, no, I mean, um, you know, comics are, are quite a time-consuming thing thing to do um, obviously you have to draw the whole thing out you draw it all out in pencil then you ink it all in and then in the old days you used to make a big package and put the artwork in the package and then it would go off to the publishers and the publisher would have somebody who would take a xerox of the pages and paint on them with watercolor and notate every single area of color to be with these arcane codes like r2 b2 y2 which is like a dull brown or something and then it would go off and these, these literally little old ladies would sit in their kitchen with their breadboards and cut out um, red ruby lith film to, it's just too, it's like something out of Charles Dickens. Um, and, and then we evolved what we thought was gonna be the state of the art, which is actually how this is colored. This is the blue line process where you get your artwork, you have a, a line copy of it made on acetate. Even as I'm trying to describe this, it sounds so cumbersome. Then you've got the acetate and then you've got another thing with a blue line and you colour that and you put the acetate on top of the blue line and then the, the paint goes on the back of the acetate. But it, but it was scanned by lasers, Dave. Scanned by lasers, yes, yes, it was. It was the future. Yeah, and, th and then all of a sudden you realise, hey, I can scan this on my scanner at home using Photoshop, for instance, I can color it. I can send the file directly to the publisher via email. That's like, I've finished it at five o'clock. The publisher has it at two minutes past five. So the whole thing became completely re revolutionized. All the, the really tedious stuff has been take, taken out of it. Um, I got my first Mac in 1992 and I literally haven't, haven't looked back since and I don't know how many hours have been saved by using uh, Apple technology. So jumping ahead, that's, a, that's kind of what, pub what publishing has been up to. I think what we wanted to look at was, you know, how could we develop a load of new material and how could we develop a system which would push it down to the you know, iOS devices? Because uh, although the uh, authoring has gone very digital, the actual total sort of being a storyteller and trying to get it onto a device is still not that easy. You've got a story you want to make, a kid's book or a comic. So how do you get it into people's hands? It felt to us as a real opportunity to build a whole platform, iPhone, iPod, iPad. And uh, 
Dave, when we met you, Dave, you, you'd just been putting together a story idea that, that just seemed to fit really perfectly with, you know, just to give this a backdrop, we were thinking about episodic delivery rather than books. So, you know, people are always on, always on device. So how could we serialize these stories? Uh, how could we create down the line, how could we create a price point which is really easy for people to sort of agree to, which isn't a comic book price point. So with all these ideas in mind and ways of bringing it to life, I think we, we were lucky with the timing because you were just working on treatment. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, in, in quite a few things I've been involved with over the many years that I've been working, there's been this element of, of serendipity. You sometimes get this feeling that things have just lined up right. And at the point at which I first spoke to Liam and Ben, um, I'd finally realised, in other words, made real this idea that I'd had for a long while called treatment. Tr treatment is the kind of nutshell of it is that in the not too distant future there are parts of many cities where the police will not go and they're kind of lawless so instead they send in treatment who are like a private freelance police force who are funded by the fact that their adventures appear in real time as reality tv so it's like those kind of ride along cop shows but it's really happening it's not edited and so I had that, that idea and um, I'd, I'd drawn a kind of 12-page fragment and when we spoke about it, it became clear this was an ideal thing to have on the Madefire platform because it's episodic, it's kind of action-packed, it's kind of got elements of science fiction and dark humour about it and also um, it's set in however many major cities there are in the world. So we've already done Mexico City, Tokyo. Tokyo, and and so the kind of world world is our, our playground there, uh, which adds freshness to the series and hopefully also adds interest for people in uh, in countries other than the usual English speaking countries. Perfect, thanks, Dave. Yeah, so I just wanted to quickly say about storytelling. We, you know, w the thing we talk about most is uh, I think what you coined, Dave, as a grammar. So, you know, as we move to devices, what's happening at the moment is the world is still scanning in print predominantly and print is dictating the grammar of the storytelling and the grammar of the reading at least in publishing so i just want to share a bit of the background of why we care so much about this i love this quote from philip pullman about the importance of stories you know after food shelter and companionship stories are what we want and it's what we it's what we've always craved and um if you have a look at storytelling you know this is image is really to say that storytelling is what we're all about. We think we know that a lot of kids are on these devices. Uh, you know, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. They just—it's all about the iPad. It's all about the iPhone. It's incredible the move to these devices for reading and and playing and watching and so on. So, you know, our goal is to build a storytelling brand with Madefire. And it's not an easy goal, but the way we've looked at it is if we can build an engine for stories. So we think of this as our story engine. Creators on one side who want to tell stories and readers on the other end who want to receive and read stories. So how can we shorten the distance between somebody who wants to tell a story, make a book, make a comic, and a reader who wants to receive something? You know, the 10 minutes a day when you, you could play Angry Birds or you could do something else or you, while you're eating dinner, you're at a bus stop. We, we want to try and create that, that window of escape. So we think of this as a story engine and we've, we see our job as to facilitate uh, this kind of flow of stories. And uh, one of the things that interests me about storytelling, actually if you look at this, this is like a quick history of storytelling. Uh, 
you know, from cave paintings through the tablets. You could argue we've gone from tablets to tablets, thanks to Apple, via a load of other things. Um, Theatre, uh, print, cinema and TV. If you look at all of those things, what's happened is every time the technology's evolved, the grammar's evolved. So we're at a point now where, you know, we're in a device era and the grammar needs to evolve with it. And that's really what we see as, as the important step here. You might recognize a few of these devices. Um, so quick look, at, quick look at, you know, storytelling on a device, take the iPad. You know, movies, games, and television are working pretty well for devices. But if you look at publishing, it's really been left 20, 30 years behind. So that's where we started. The other thing that's interesting about books, comics, is they're a lot easier to make. That you can really develop a lot of material. You can only do so many films and games, but you can do a lot of, get a lot of storytelling out into the market. So yeah, reading, in our view, is ripe for reinvention. So what we've done is we've launched, a few months ago we launched for the iPad and we launched uh, a format, if you like, we call motion books. And the idea of motion books is that they are a reading experience, so they are a book, but they're really punctuated and brought to life. So we're trying not to be animation, we're not trying not to be something you watch, but something that you read. And we see a, a big distinction there, you know, we want to push to the edge of reading. And uh, yeah, these are a few of the key things that we care about, you know, digital first, so writing for the platform. We're, we really want to get behind new original materials, so people who want to tell a story in a new way. We've been really fortunate with Liam and Dave have brought alongside a, an amazing array of creators. So we have, a, I think, 10 titles. If any of you have got your devices, uh, Made Fire's free, the stories are free. We're all about building adoption and, and, and kind of revealing this. And we hope that will spearhead a lot of other creators who are coming on and using the tools. And then, and so it goes. So the, the response has been really, really great. And Apple have been super supportive, which is, a, which is a huge help. So with that, I thought I'd dive into the app. So uh, give me one second and I will just pull it up. So I'm not biased, but I'm gonna start with uh, Mono. Mono is written by Liam and I, this is one that I have had a lot of fun drawing. Uh, here he is, he's a primordial ape man. He's like a, a hairy Bond character. <laughs> Well-dressed, ultra-violent. Um, yeah, so we come in here. So you can, hopefully you can see that it's a reading experience. So as I, as I tap, as I tap forward, you'll see that it's triggering the. Uh, these are images drawn. Uh, some are done with a dip pen. Some are done on Photoshop and so on. They're layers, and there's small kind of accentuation. There's candlelight in this scene, and uh, we join Mono. He's in a bombed out, bombed out World War II uh, French, French village. The Germans are raising the city, looking for him, and. This is where we get the opportunity to sort of have some fun and actually interact with, with the scene. So uh, I think, Dave, you were saying something about, you know, it goes way beyond a double page spread, which is... Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, in traditional comics, the best thing you can do to impress somebody is a double page spread. But this is like having your head inside a 360 degree panorama, which even I went, wow. Yeah, this was... Um 
there's a there was a great app that we came across a photography app where you could take stitch together photos and have a complete panorama and it really inspired the sort of thinking behind this and uh, we just we're, we're thinking wouldn't it be amazing to to actually stand inside a comic page and to be able to look up and down and left and right and sideways and actually wherever you were it was a piece of art um, and this is a I think probably the the biggest innovation we've we've created um, at Madefire um, at this stage and it, it really is a, a powerful thing, especially if you've got the headphones on. It's just really immersive. Thanks, Liam. We, so, and then a couple, couple more pages to give you a flavor of things. So we have sound going on. So this is a scene where they're starting to approach uh, Mono, which he's not happy about. At all. <laughs> One of the other things I should say, we, when we started, we weren't going to add sound. Seems odd now. I mean, we can't imagine it. And um, we just thought, well, why don't we try it with a couple? Because people can always turn it off if they don't want to hear something. Um, and we didn't want it, again, to be like a motion comic where you're, you're watching and it's a passive experience or something. Dave had a lot of experience with um, on, the, on the Watchmen um, motion comic so we were very keen that it wouldn't be that and we wondered if it would be intrusive because especially with reading often with reading you know you don't want to be listening to music at the same time so we were quite nervous about it but then we tried it on one and immediately it transformed the uh, the whole experience and uh, just shoved it up took it to 11 so um, yeah so we've drawn the line we're not doing voiceover on the characters we think that you need to read that you need to project your own idea of what the character sounds like, but that the sound can add atmosphere and dimension and pace and, and, and punctuation. So I'll skip out of uh, Mono and uh, just whiz you through a couple of other titles. This is Captain Stone, which is uh, uh, Liam and Chris's uh, creation. He, is, Well, I'll let Liam talk about Captain Stone, but as you can Cap see, he's... Captain Stone is missing. He's, uh, he's the world's only superhero, and he's had a horrible fall from grace. Um, it's been revealed, I'm not going to reveal here, but it's been revealed who his real identity is and uh, he's the son of someone really deeply unpopular in American culture. Um, and it all goes horribly wrong for him and nobody believes him anymore and uh, the story is really about where's he gone. His back cave has been blown open, everyone knows where his back cave is. Everyone's seen the deepest inner workings of, uh, of his whole operation and it's... Uh, it's um, it's all rather sad. So, so this is what we try to do. With again, what's great about um, the motion book tool is we can create all this f legacy stuff and and also have like hot links within this that will take you to eventually Wikipedia pages and you know, little videos or any number of things that could um, f make the world the sort of story world a bigger story cloud which is something we're sort of really interested about doing. So you're not just getting linear stories, you're getting stories that can branch in a whole load of different directions and, uh, and really give you a different experience on so many different levels. We're running, running out of time, but this is Captain Stone's dad, Craven Panther. 
And it, you could probably, again, with the sound, it really does sort of immediately evoke a period, which is much easier when you've got that element. And, and also with the tool, you can do this kind of Saul Bass kind of animation approach to things, very stylized, and um, and that it, it, it's just so refreshing to have a, have these things at your disposal. It really makes you think things in a fresh way, and no matter how sort of committed you are to any medium, Dave and I have been in it around for a long time. Having this freedom. Um, it's just massively inspiring from a, you know, you just can't wait to get your teeth in and get your, your fingers dirty. Yeah, there's, there's a lot more to think about. It's everything you've ever done in comics, plus a whole range of different things that you'd never dreamed of. Um, and, you know, it's going to be a long time till we reach the bottom of this one, I think. So, Dave, we're just going to show a bit of treatment. This is uh, Mexico, Mexico City. Okay, this, this is drawn by my good friend Brian Bolland, that, that lovely cover we saw. As you can see, there's a spooky little bit of parallax going on. Um, this particular story, because uh, due to other commitments, um, I haven't been able to do as much as I wanted to on treatment, but this is drawn by my good friend, uh, Dougie Braithwaite, and uh, written by Robbie Morrison, who's a wonderful 2000 AD writer. He's very well known for his dread stories. Colour by is, Angus. Yeah, and it's colour by Angus Mackay, another mate of mine. Um, this is uh, set in Mexico City. This is the kind of hyperlink idea where you can actually step out of the story and get information on characters displayed. Uh, Liam did this cover, and as you can see, there's some lovely parallax going on there. Better than 3D. Bit aggressive. Bit aggressive, that one, yeah. It's for the kids out there. It is a 12 plus app. So, uh. But as you can already see, we've got quite a range of, of story types. This is very fast moving and, and, and violent. Liam's stuff has got, a on Captain Stone, has got a real uh, kind of period charm to it in, in places, a whole range of different graphic techniques. This, this I really love. This is uh, drawn by Jimmy Broxton. And this is uh, set in a Russia that never happened, I guess. This is called The Engine. And then just a couple more. So this is uh, Mike Carey and Dave Kendall who have done a uh, story called Houses of the Holy, which is quite a spooky one to scare you. So we'll give you a flavour of that. Again, with the the, ad, the the added bit of timing, once you bring timing into it, you comedy and horror really benefit because you can literally have shocks, you know, um, jump cuts. In a comic, you've only got the the turn of the page and the left page as a reveal, but when when you've got the tap aspect, you you can be much more um, clever with the the rollout and the timing. And then we, uh, I think, 
want to show this one. This is another one of the treatment. This is Treatment Tokyo. Yeah, this, this is drawn by a wonderful artist called Kinman Chan, whose background is in movies. And uh, I think to finish, this is, uh, this is from uh, Gary Erskine. It's called The Irons. And a uh, bit, bit of the intro sequence here. Dave said a really key thing to our thinking process, which was we want to be cameramen, not puppeteers. Yeah, I mean, my, my experience on the Watchmen motion comic, which had a lot of hard work put into it and was, was excellently done within the constraints of what it set out to do, it became apparent that um, any attempt to animate things within the pictures didn't look right. People are very sensitive to the animation of the, of the human figure. And you're essentially aping animation. It's a movie spectator experience. What we wanted to do was a reading experience. So essentially what we were going to do was choreograph the camera, which is essentially the reader's point of view, and not attempt to put animation within the content. And so, uh, yeah, we, we're going to uh, open it to uh, Q&A. I think we, we uh, would love to answer any questions that we can, and then we'll... Yeah, I mean, just just one thing I would like to say, you know, I, I have been telling stories and words and pictures for a long, long time. Um, but w when I look at this and it, when I look at the wonderful things that have already been done, I realise that we're really still only in the foothills of it. I can't wait to see what the artists of the world do. Maybe some of you sat in this room right now and I'm so proud to be part of something uh, that feels so fresh and new. With that, I think we'll, we'll go for a Q&A. Just raise your hand and Will will come right on over to you. There's Will. Right here in the middle. Hi. So, sorry to go from such an awesome artistic conversation into revenue, but uh, if it's all free, how do you make money off of it? Rev, rev what? Revenue. <laughs> um, it's a great question. Uh, so, yeah, we focus on the creative because that's really our, our backgrounds in terms of a business. So what we're doing now is focusing on bringing other publishers onto the platform, uh, which is getting very exciting already. And our goal is, of course, they're going to want to charge. So each of these books or each of these episodes will be charged for. And we'll look at various price points. We're, we're really interested in the $1 to $2 price point. So it's kind of weekly serialized. Uh, I think it works well for this, this way. Um, so in simple terms, we will start charging for the stories. We're determined to keep the Madefire feed free as long as we possibly can because we see it as a showcase and we see it as an R&D. You know, it's a way for us to push the grammar. It's a way for us, hopefully, to pioneer. But at some stage, you know, we need to make sure all creators are paid. So we have to, we'll have to move to, to revenue. It's a great question. <laughs> right here in the third row. Hi. Um, I know that with movies, um, the better the special effects get, the better the stories you can tell and the new avenues you have. Do you think the way you think of making stories 
can you take new paths now with this new technology or do you sort of write it in the same way and just make it bigger and better? Yeah, I, I mean, e even when it comes to writing a script for this, I remember when I sat down and wrote the treatment script, I went page one, panel one, and thought, hold on, there aren't really any pages anymore and there aren't really panels anymore. It's more of a seamless kind of thing. And whereas with comics, you cut from picture to picture always. Here, you can have different transitions. You can, you can control the speed of the transition. You can go to a new panel and then you can choose where the balloons come in and where they come in. And you can make, you know, you, it just, you suddenly realize that there are all the possibilities there always were, but now it's squared. And so you therefore start to think of telling different kinds of stories or, or telling stories in a, in a different way. So um, it's very, very challenging and very exciting. Yeah, I mean, and also stories can branch. So we sort of bifurcate into different areas. So. We, we've talked about story clouds and I've re that really excites me it's something that fascinates me how things might be able to loop around you might be able to have a character in the background and click on that character and have, follow his story that might somehow affect the story later on so there's loads of ways that we're, ju we're just kind of beginning to touch on that you definitely couldn't do with traditional print linear print um, stories especially writers we've found them uh, quite often they say oh it's real freedom it's real freedom to roam uh, we're actually trying to really, f it's kind of hard to get people to break their habits and say, don't do it like that. You know, we keep getting a lot of submissions and it's like, yeah, but no, it's just a comic. We don't do comics, we do, we're doing something else. So um, it is interesting to get people to break their habits. Next question's right here in the front. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. My story actually is um, what inspired you. Um, I'm a fragrance expert, so the stories have actually inspired me. That's why I'm in the business. So this is a question for uh, all three of you. Uh, what inspired you to, to start this uh, incredible, you know, amazing journey? Um, yeah, we're, we're storytellers, first and foremost. So what inspires us? Lots of different things. I mean... I think all storytellers are inspired by uh, the the life that they lead. It's always good to, to talk about from the yourself and the things that you love and the, the, the passions that you have. Um, for me, I often think that particularly broader science fiction and fantasy is often overlooked as something kind of, you know, not particularly cool or somehow um, somehow for for odd odd people. But I always think that actually that's, that's crazy talk because if it wasn't for people dreaming big, we would never have crossed the seas or, or gone to the moon or you know, crossed any desert. If there wasn't dreamers and there wasn't people capable of imagining fantastic situations, none of that would have happened or could have happened. So I, it's an actual, for me, it's, it's really the root of, of everything human. You know, the best bits, the, the, it drives us. So, yeah, that's my, my point, anthropological stuff. Well, I suppose it's always seemed to me like a kind of magic, you know, that you make marks on a piece of paper and it, 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 it has a life in, in people's heads. You know, there's an abstract, abstraction to comics. Fun, funnily enough, we went to see, my wife and I went to see War Horse last night at the theatre and that's a completely surreal experience. It's just some people on stage with bits of a wooden horse but it's a horse. It looks like a horse. You believe it's a horse. And 
comics and the kind of things that you can do on this platform have that same effect. They're just moving marks, but you can conjure up, literally conjure up worlds in, in people's heads. And that's the thing that I find such a thrill. Yeah, I think this building story worlds, uh, uh, for me, is my personal interest. And just seemed, I think you said one plus one is two, or it just seemed really obvious. Like, we want to tell stories. The world's moving on to, the, in specifically in light of Madefire, the whole root of this idea was about people are moving to reading on these things. We could have a lot of fun doing that. And, and personally, you know, um, as, a, as a creator, uh, I haven't been in the Marvel and DC camps. I, I've always been in another industry. So I thought I'd like to publish something, you know. And then it's like, well, we, we're not, we need to build a tool to do that. Cause <laughs> so it's kind of selfish reasons to want to get something into people's hands. But also just, you know, it makes sense to do you, this now. You said as well that um, an iPad's smarter than a piece of paper, which was really key to our, our journey. And, and um, one last thing thing that I would say on that is it is also the directness of the vision from head to head when you do this kind of stuff we can produce these effects just with a handful of creators with a very simple tool we don't need a studio we don't need you know huge investment in the individual stories and it's got that personal touch which to me has always been valuable well uh, I, I, one plea I think we we're We've only got out of the gate a couple of months ago. We went for iPad. We launched on the iPad. We had a great response. But obviously, the world's very noisy, and uh, there's a lot of apps. So it, we'd love your support in this. Uh, we, uh, we are now on iPhone as well. I think we're, we're kindly featured at the moment, which is great. We're here at the Comic-Con, New York. If you want to come and see us at the stand there, uh, we'd love to see you. And, um, you know, we, we have high aspirations for this, but we see it as a creator-first movement. So we're trying to build, if you like, a movement for storytelling. We, we have this audacious goal of being where the myths of the 21st century will be created. You know, someone's got to do it. And uh, we, may, we may as well have a crack at it. But it's really, you know, always been something that we felt needed to get way beyond us, like way beyond what, what, we, can, what we can do. Um, so yeah, please download the app and thank you very much for having us.